0: I'm Ryan Spoon, COO at SoRare, and I'm panicked about Howard being allowed back in the country.
1: you the linsonator is back give me give me a little trump there give me just a all little right, bit of trump. Just, all right hello this is president donald trump howard linson is a huge disappointment okay go back to canada that's gold that's gold gary so uh it's good to be back in the studio and you know, i was trapped in the bahamas it's one of the worst places was in the world I, to be trapped w- i'm sure <laughs> were you scared for me no uh, let, let me tell you a couple of covid stories oh please they're timeless They're timeless gems. (laughs) So I'm at the uh, FTX conference, and I'm like a super spreader at this point. I think I'm the only one at this conference, because this is all Puerto Rico people and Miami people and crypto, whatever. They've all gotten it through Ethereum. Everybody got COVID through Ethereum, through the blockchain. (laughs) So I think I'm the only one in the Bahamas proper without COVID. So I don't know who gave it to me, because I've gone two and a half years without testing positive. But little did so. So, Matt Ober and I, and this kid Nathan is like, I just got married, is, uh, crypto guy. And we go to do our tests at the hotel. And it was really well done. They had uh, a nurse and a whole hospital set up at the hotel because it's a tourist place. They got to like keep the people moving. Right. And everybody gets a happy face, and I get a frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But as luck would have it, because how it's even when I lose, I win. Um, I have my suite, because of the insurance, I had this great suite that FTX put me up in. It was a corner suite with, like, two balconies, blah, blah, blah. And they had to keep me in the room because I had infected the whole place. I was licking the sheets at this point to ensure that I would. Uh, I was peeing on the floor. Whatever I could to <laughs> make sure my room was full of COVID at that point because I didn't want to move. <laughs> So It, it backfired because they don't come to clean your room, so I had to clean up my own. Oh, uh, yeah. No. So I ended up had kind of cleaning it myself. But um, still, I got to keep the room, and I uh, had a week on the Bahamian government, uh, and it was, I, I felt a little guilty. This is the Jew in me, the Jewish person in me, because I, I was enjoying myself, but felt so guilty about this, you know, having great sushi delivered in my room, fruit, because I had $150. <laughs> credit a day from the bohemian <laughs> government <laughs> i don't even know how to spend 150 dollars uh, a day on food did, but i did i somehow still went over the limit because i'm howie and turns out sushi in the bahamas is expensive so i just felt guilty for some level i know you wouldn't know because you're norwegian and you have uh such white blood but uh i felt a little guilty because you know there's a war going on in the ukraine and i'm having sushi delivered at 6 p.m watching nba on tnt so yeah. That is my curse, that we I couldn't fully enjoy you, COVID. We used to call you Lucky Lindy. Lucky Linds and Strikes Again. Um, I, had a f- I got back in time for the 25th anniversary. I uh, got back in time for Mother's Day. And my only regret is not enjoying it more, which is that's such a Howard thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, we're out of time, as usual. But the sound is fantastic. All right, so we have a special guest today who's going to explain in English... Uh, a lot of what we don't understand he is uh my good friend ryan spoon he has been well i mean we've known each other forever on the internet we became friends i don't know six seven years ago in person greg bettinelli at the upfront conference finally introduced us in person we kind of knew each other online and through ryan it's just been a loyal uh great connector he's a super connector um, in terms of social leverage, he fits the social, he's a platinum social leverage member an investor in all our funds. And we've returned the favor by making him a, a few shekels, but more importantly, Ryan is an operator extraordinaire. Uh, he never does these type of podcasts. He's not a promoter. I uh, spent eight years running mobile. Let me look up his title, senior vice president, digital and social at ESPN for eight years. Nice. So he's seen some growth. He's seen he knows sports. He knows mobile. He knows entertainment. He then went to uh, MGM Bet in the in the betting space in right. in, in Vegas and helped them uh, think through launching what what I think now is one of the most popular betting apps. Uh, but I don't even want to talk about because I don't bet or gamble, so I don't even want to talk about that. Lucky for me. He left, because I don't like talking about betting. <laughs> and now he's COO, COO of SoRare. And so I'm gonna let him, so I don't butcher SoRare. It's at the intersection of fantasy, sports, blockchain, community, and money. And so it's all wrapped up in and He And he has the perfect background to do this. He's in New York. Uh, And he's panicked about me being back in the country. And I think we've sufficiently explained why he is worried that I'm back in the country. We've (laughs) we've explained why he should be panicked about me being back as I wreak havoc on on Mainland USA. So uh, let's get him on uh, the phone.
0: Uh, Ryan Spoon awesome so good to uh to finally do this uh thanks for thanks it's for having so good you have no it's been very long
1: <laughs> you have no ego you've never wanted to be on i've had your <laughs> friends on um the world needs the world needs operators you know i tell my daughter this all the time i tell everybody this everybody can start a company everybody has an idea until a few months ago everybody could raise money <laughs> and and you put all this shit together and no one knows what the hell they're doing and now we're going to start seeing that the world needs operators you are an operator what makes what makes Orion Spoon why do you like leading and operating
0: I don't think it has anything to do with the job or the role it, to me if you find what you love to I mean this is so generic but it's true like you find what you love to do and the rest of the work kind of works itself out right you love what you do you are pretty uniquely made for it um and a lot of your job is the socializing, the connecting, the, you know, your, your lane of expertise versus Gary's versus, you know, the rest of the partnerships. You know, the trait over the last 10 years of my career is the sports side, um, whether it's ESPN or BetMGM. And I'll correct, I'll, you know, for the next several years, continue to correct you. It's BetMGM, not MGM Bet. Oh, right. BetMGM. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to so rare, right? You, you find the space that you you love and these are interestingly three very different ways to uh, kind of circle around you know the topic of sports fandom uh, f- fan engagement and so forth and 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 then you enjoy what you're doing for work um, and then the single most important thing is surround yourself be around great people uh, it's hard to enjoy what you do if you're not around people you enjoy and it's hard to be good at what you do if the people you're with aren't really really good and probably better than you are
1: Well said. So, so rare, I think raised 680 million in a series B. So you could probably hide me out at the company doing something and canoe the, um, (laughs) that's just, that's just throwing it out there. Uh, and you've seen more than $130 million of cards traded on the platform. So you've seen growth. This is still small in the ESPN
0: world, right? So, so what attracted you and what is so rare? So let me start with what's so rare and then I'll come back to the attraction and the growth. And, you know, the growth out, you know, it's it's actually much larger than even what you started with. Um, So what is so rare? So rare is an NFT based fantasy sports game. Uh, And think about. Um, The way that you play fantasy sports, whatever sport that might be today, it might be season long on a platform like ESPN and who you pick first depends on your randomized draft position. And that's a season long game, by the way, really fun. I spent a good chunk of uh, my time as a user playing it and as a builder uh, helping to build it. You might do that daily on a site like uh, a DraftKings. uh, That's a different roster, different type of behavior. Um And our version is quite different, uh, where the players on our side, they play in, in these weekly games based on cards of players that they own, and they own them as NFTs. Uh, and why that NFT part is so important is because the NFT guarantees ownership of said cards. Uh, and it also guarantees a population of cards, which then is very important to defining the card scarcity. Right now, we are entirely uh, soccer. The company was founded in Paris and has 250 plus uh, soccer leagues and teams and has a very big global footprint and uh, specifically around soccer. Um, in 2020, the company did about $8 million in card sales, ended last year with over $325 million, so very significant growth. And it's a small company. Um, When I joined in the fall, I think I was employee 25. We're now about 75 and growing, split between Paris and New York. And we are launching, uh, we're we're excited to launch Beyond Soccer. We have a long way to go in soccer and that continues to be and will be a focus. Obviously, we've got a big footprint there. But uh, this summer, we're going to be launching uh, MLB with MLB and MLB Players Association. So that's a pretty massive step forward for us. Um, and if you think about the 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 why and why join, and you 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 know you know me well, uh, my house is scattered with sports cards and weird artwork and collectibles and things that I personally really like, and and spend my time and my in some cases money um, uh, surrounding myself. And I spend my time watching sports and thinking about fan engagement. And what is unique about so rare is it it is very. Much the intersection of those things, uh, of fandom, of collecting, of gameplay, uh, and we get to define a new way to do all of those. Wow! So,
1: how did you meet the founder, or how did how does something like this happen? You get recruited, or is the, you knew the
0: founder, or so, so I met. Um, so I had one of the large investors is Benchmark, uh, who's you know as good as it gets. Um, and I've I've known them. I've known Peter Fenton, who is, uh, uh led the A and is uh, a terrific board member. I've known him for years. And I've talked to him over many years and I've got to uh, – uh, you know, my background at ESPN is pretty uh, relevant here. Right. Uh, wh- whether I'm good or bad at my job is a separate thing, but I'm relevant and um so started talking to Peter he said you got to meet the, you got to meet Nico the founder Nicola and he's fabulous is he french is nicola french yeah they, the company was founded in paris right uh, he is based in paris his co-founder adrian uh based in paris and they're both terrific like absolutely terrific uh, and you know I, I was very happy at BetMGM. By the way, you live in a state that has seen the growth of the whole space. But BetMGM is on a tear. And I have people that I really care for who work there and happily work there. But as I started to talk to Peter and to Nico – I couldn't shut off that part of my brain which is hey this is really interesting the growth is really significant there's a chance to really you know step on the gas on soccer to maybe do more than soccer to build something really global my background's kind of unique here uh and I just couldn't stop thinking about it and that's ultimately how I how I knew the time was right and you know they were willing to join into a partnership with me and uh, the rest is the rest is history
1: So what have you had to learn about crypto like because i you and i are like crypto not idiots we, we <laughs> peripheral crypto people right like you have you, you have you know three kids at home you're in your 40s you come from the from the world of espn the the touch it feel it wrap it up package it ship it out scores etc Definitely community obviously is is running what you did at, at you know community, but it was and it was a vast community at ESPN, to, to kind of this very narrow uh thing and and you still no matter how popular it is people still need to understand what crypto is so how do you how do you merge the two that seems like the still the hard part
0: yes there's much to learn I, I think it starts with and for a lot of uh, for a lot of the ventures out there, and you obviously see, uh, you know, this is your career. You see them every day. I think asking yourself what needs to be tied to crypto or Web3 or the blockchain and what doesn't, uh, what is the benefit of, and that's true for any job, right? Like if I'm moving to mobile or choosing to build something and it's, is it going to be native or non-native? I think the lead question has to be Why? Uh, why is one decision better than the other? The The part that you have to learn and, and like really inject and understand, and we all do, is what the role of the NFT is and what the NFT enables in the gameplay. Uh, and it is really, really core at, for us. The philosophy is a set card population has to be definable uh, on how the user base understands that and the ownership structure. Um Then, once you kind of have that as a very kind of clear philosophy, North Star, whatever you want to call it, the harder part to figure out is – and this is the hardest part of the job – is it is the community part. It's the gameplay part. It's the intersection of how those pieces connect with the existing user base, the ability to expand and widen but create gameplay that is kind of universally playable, satisfies different audiences – that is that's hard and it's tricky. Um, it's also super fun. Um, there are a lot of things that are applicable in the experience of my time at ESPN and fantasy, and things that are applicable from you know the MGMs of the world. And there are things that are different uh, And figuring out kind of to, how to make an experience for a user who has no crypto familiarity every bit as enjoyable as someone who, for instance, has a wallet that they're importing, right and I should not get any credit for that. Nico and Adrian, they built a really nice product that, you know, as I did my research going through this process, I bought a bunch of cards, different price points, and I did it all without having to use a wallet, without having to understand um, whether it's Ethereum or, or whatever the transaction is. It was all done very frictionless, I believe that's a word. Um, likewise, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, super advanced, have a big wallet and so forth, we make that easy as well. So Got it. credit to them that they've kind of bridged both user bases. So for a guy like me, I'm into soccer. I
1: come in, do I, you're saying when I sign up, I immediately start looking at cards or do I have to attach my Apple pay or how do I get
0: started? What does it take to get started? So the, the most important thing is to get started you don't need to do anything. You go through an onboarding experience uh, that uh, unveils a set of cards, and those are common cards, and you you never need to pay to play. Uh, it's free to play, and you field a roster. Um, and so obviously, there are similarities uh, between soccer and what will be baseball, and we want real kind of consistency in how the game and, and concept works. But there will be nuances sport to sport. So you'll field a roster for that week. And then based on your perform, well, your quote-unquote performance, your team's performance, uh, we hold back a portion of cards as rewards. Huh. And you are rewarded each week if you perform well, and then you kind of keep leveling up. If you want to move into higher leagues, you can buy or earn those cards. And we have, and this is kind of an important distinction. We have one th- in soccer, and there'll be a different number in baseball, but the same construct. We have 1,111 cards for every player. So whether you are the best in the world, you are Mbappe, or you are someone who, you are Howard, uh, who is looking at the grass and not, not performing, there are 1,111 cards. Um, there are one for the unique, 10 for the super rare, 100 for the rare, 1,000 of the limiteds. Um, and so if you want to collect limiteds and flight your soccer team of five players in a given week, Again, you perform well. We hold back a portion of the cards as rewards so you can accumulate a larger roster. Again, you can buy, sell, trade. Um, there's a whole marketplace behind that.
1: Canute, really interesting, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, your, your son's into soccer. So do you have to be into soccer, do you think? Because Americans are, is America the spot or is this really taken off in Europe first? I mean, so I, I got a million questions because I do not know, like, did they find benchmark or did a benchmark find them? Because Paris is not the place where people shop for fast-growing startups
0: well I think the uh it is a glo- obviously let's start with soccer is a global sport uh it's the biggest sport um but the user base is global uh it is pretty geographically spread out uh both in the gameplay and also the uh you know the card collection or the active users um obviously, I think we have seen lots of examples of people who get excited about a sport or a player because of this um But I think it does assume some uh, kind of base uh, excitement and understanding. And that's one of the things that's a real attraction around launching other sports. Uh, There are certainly a big audience that we have. I think it's 1.8 million users uh, around soccer. A chunk of those, and we're hopeful that a big chunk, uh, get excited about MLB and vice versa. Um, And there's interesting kind of avenues there. I think you're seeing some of this also, at least in the U.S., around sports like F1 where – There is growing appetite and excitement around sports, and sometimes the entree into those or the familiarity comes from places that are not so traditional, right? It might be uh, fantasy. It might be Netflix series for a sport like F1. Um, It might be card collecting for others, whatever it might be. Um, But we are global, and we think the addition of sports will create really interesting – Opportunities for people to traverse across board as well,
1: and so new york uh I get Soho culturally you know i'm I'm super bullish on Soho New york is we are
0: na- neighbors next to uh next to next rally. to rally road, so you got your space already we are we have a great space, we are hiring aggressively uh so people want to be in the heart of Soho and in this space um but yes, we opened the office in December. Um, there was a gentleman from DraftKings on the BD side, Michael Meltzer, who's terrific. I actually knew him from ESPN. Uh, ESPN worked tightly with DraftKings. That's how I got to know him. He joined a couple weeks ahead of me. We were the first two U.S. employees, opened, the, uh, opened an office and got a fabulous team, uh, people from ESPN, Facebook, um, across the board, Spotify, uh, Twitter, and so on. I mean, what a great time to hire because
1: just, you and know, I can shift topics here. It's like the market, tech market, you know, down 50, 60% or the growth stocks that we know are down that much. A lot of people are going to be willing to move and start fresh. And with New York coming back too, it's probably a really, as hard as it is a time to hire, this is a good time in your category because DraftKings FanDuel have been beating their heads, uh, Barstool, they've been pounding their their heads against the sound and declining stock prices So in a way, this is a good time to be where you're at in terms of recruiting because you can pick up a lot of talent, I imagine.
0: Well, look, take the macro stuff aside. The success we've had on recruiting, I think, boils down to two things. One, how I started. Like You want... You want a place where you can be creative, you can move fast, and it fits some passion. And if it doesn't fit your passion, then it's not a great fit anyhow. But this does for a a wide kind of collection of people. It appeals to collectors. It appeals to game mechanics. It appeals to uh, crypto enthusiasts. It appeals to sports and media. It doesn't need to appeal to all of – you don't need to represent all those things. But if you have a lane, it's appealing. The second part, which I think we are really uniquely – and this is ultimately how I got excited. We are really uniquely – Uh, kind of positioned is it's a really big business. It's also got a lot of upside um, in terms of, right, continue to grow soccer and build out different game formats, launch into new sports. And this is step one. And yet it's a really small team. And so there's that ability. And what I talk about when I recruit or I give advice to friends, and by the way, you've given me advice over the years, it, it often boils down to, you need to understand where your fingerprint's going to go on the business or the product or your area. And there's just ample ways to figure that out here because big business, lots of opportunity, yet still really small people wise. Interesting. So
1: did you earmark MLB because that's so American and soccer so international or is it just you're hanging out at NBA, NFL I and mean, you can't tell me your secrets, but like or was MLB like the focus because it's so American?
0: So, so let me tell you what's um, what's amazing about MLB. For most, for many people—not most people, but for many people—and uh, maybe I'm dating myself age-wise, their first experience with fantasy is baseball, and their first experience doing that is reading through box scores, going through the stats, a commissioner of some sort doing it manually or digitally, whatever it might be. Um, but it is it is a game that is perfect for fantasy. Yeah, and it is a very statistics-driven, math-based game mm-hmm. where there's a lot of gameplay in a given week. That every team plays roughly six times. Um, there's a great rhythm to it. There's a great population of players. A very global, an uh, uh, international base of players. It's it's really a a perfect game and game format for this. Then you add on for most people their first card collection. If you were into that, were a series of baseball cards. Um, and so there's this really kind of, and you know, who was the most popular player last year out of nowhere, this remarkable season with Otani who did something that's never been seen before. And then on a young guy, Wander Franco comes up and blows away, um, and, and captures imagination and blows away the card market. There's these amazing stories every year. It's going to be fantastic. We will, and want to do more, uh, beyond soccer and MLB. Uh, and I think you'll see us uh, continue to widen and grow, um, but there's a lot to love about baseball.
1: So switching gears for a second, talk about tech and markets and recruiting and all this stuff because you are an operator. What is different about this possible downturn? Because you're you're like me, we we are a little bit nervous, Nellie's. We like to sell on the way up per se book profits. You and I are not huge risk takers. Um, what did you see at ES? Like how is sports changing as gambling and all this thing happens? Like what is really happening in sports? Like on the athletic side, the athletes are just getting stronger, faster, smarter, uh, conditioning diet, right? So the athletes have changed, like just unbelievable. Uh, I was out for dinner with Spencer Dinwiddie yesterday, randomly from Twitter. You know, we met and follow each other, and I just couldn't believe like that's, it, how, you, that's
0: how that's so how you guys set up a dinner via a Twitter, via fucking exchange. Twitter.
1: Yeah, amazing, well,
0: I, isn't that amazing? He follows me just like
1: Omri Caspi. It's like I've become yeah, a celebrity, I to that. That was great. even that though was I'm great. not into sports, and it's cool. Like I'm out with Spencer, and he's hitting me up, and we're talking about fucking social and networking and investing. With a guy who's playing in the game no more, and we're not talking about the game. We're talking about, uh, we're goofing off about, you know, deal flow. And this is a kid who's 29 years old, and really his job is just to stay healthy and focused on the game. So So the athletes have changed, and they get it, right? Like, instead of paying agents 10%, they're paying 2%, which they still think is high. And they're now starting to think... Like he's a 29 and he's set for life because he's building a network. He doesn't want to be in broadcasting. He wants to have a fucking entrepreneurial career, right? He knows his his limits. So that game is changing. So how is the other side of it changing, like ESPN and draft? And how do you guys think about that with the athletes?
0: Well, let me take the athlete side out for a second and say um, every employee at ESPN has the same business card, obviously a different front, but the back says to serve sports fans anytime, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um and I woke up every day for a long period of time with the mission of drive sports fandom, widen sports fans, right reach new pockets of sports fans and drive engagement, drive energy around that whether that was on our platform or not ultimately if you can increase fandom and engagement that is a good thing for all involved. Uh, and ESPN being, you know, the largest on the broadcast side stood to benefit from that. Correct. Why do I say that? Because BetMGM or DraftKings or FanDuel or so forth, for a large population of people, a growing population of people, that's a different form of fandom and engagement. Um, What we do at SoRare, that's a different form of fandom and engagement. And the, you know, an example I give, you know, I watched every minute of the the Celtics-Bucks game last night. It was It fantastic. really was a
1: good game. I didn't get to watch it, but I was walking by the uh, screen with Spencer, been... and it was like a big
0: surprise. Like, I didn't think they could come back, Boston. It was a hell of a game. It's an incredible series. Uh, and, you know, while I'm rooting for Boston, it's impossible to watch Giannis and not Marvel and also... It's like, like watching an Elastic ben. Band. He He's amazing. Yeah. And, again, I say this part because I also have a huge RJ Barrett card collection, and I give this example a lot. Um I believe I have the largest R.J. Barrett, uh, you know, a special version of his card um, collection. And it might be rational, might be irrational, but I'm a huge R.J. Barrett fan. I watched over 70 <laughs> Knicks games this year. I'm a Celtics fan. That's really weird. I think if if I had said that <laughs> 10 years ago, people would say, what is wrong with you that these things don't compute? But my my point in saying that is whether you are playing so rare – You are playing fantasy. Um, I mean, look at what Red Zone's done to Sunday viewing if it's not your core team. Uh, You collect trading cards, whatever it might be. These are different forms of sports fandom. And I think all of us are circling around, including the teams and the players, and how do you widen and deepen the definition of sports fandom? How do you reach new? That's the wide. How do you get to the different platforms, create different behaviors? And then how do you deepen and strengthen and understand who each person is? Yeah,
1: increase fandom. You know, when I started Stock Twits, I guess part of the complication is you start watching the competition, you start watching what other people are doing, you forget why I started. And the whole point was I love stocks, and I thought millions more people would love stocks. You know, Kramer 2.0, CNBC 2.0. And you get lost in building features and worrying about this and community, about what the real goal was. And, you know, I look back 12 years later, and we keep growing organically because really all we do is increase fandom for stocks and tickers and whatever the hell people objects that people like talking about you know
0: yeah you know i've I've asked you many times like what's your advice to i I have three kids um and 7 but i've asked you many times like what's your advice to the 11 year old as he begins to have interest in this and your advice is always to learn to get involved pick companies and products that you are a user of that you are a fan of um and it's such – it's so obvious and basic. I'm i am not suggesting that that's the way everyone should invest per se. But that is how I think about investing my time at least. Um, it's how I think he begins to understand uh, what this whole set of concepts. It's why I think Stock Twits is interesting and, and grown. Um, it's why I end up watching probably more complete Knicks games than I did Celtics games this year.
1: Yeah, the, I, the ability to be – Shameful or
0: not, separate subject.
1: The ability to be a fan is amazing. The ability that I, like, for example, could go hang out with Spencer on, a, on his, you know, for a quick dinner because he's in town is just insane. Yeah, sure. I have a little bit of a different privilege because of my social network. But it's not like I didn't have to still ping him on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, you still got. But now the game is, like, mixed. It's like everybody's mingling and so but
0: that's the best that's i think the, it's uh, just it's the best you know, and i took ellen
1: along yesterday and she had the best time asking him questions about real estate and other stuff and how he's thinking about the world but more importantly in sports like it blew me away how fast we went from like gambling's bad <laughs> to every game i watch i got like ads coming up the yin yang on how my kids can do parlay bets like 50 to 1 whereas like The government can't get their head around crypto yet and everything's regulated, but kids are allowed to YOLO with uh, the barstool lunatic on a weekend, lose their last $200 of food money, but that's okay. Like that's that's really hard for someone who's had to be regulated his whole life to deal with. That's been a break that I didn't see coming. How fast when the walls came down on gambling that they came down.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what you want me to comment on I there. can't comment on it. It's just, it's just
1: <laughs> the, you didn't I, even probably expect it. You're at ESPN and I don't think well, you expected it to come down that fast.
0: Well, I mean, there's general life lessons of it takes slower to get there and then when you get there, things move faster than you expect, yeah. right? Um, you know, again, think about – I get asked the question a fair amount of are fantasy sports healthy for fandom? Um, and And I think that's just a different way of asking – It's not necessarily used to what we grew up, where you're watching, you know, sitting around uh, with a group of like-minded fans watching the same team. Think about how we all watch Sunday football. Uh, When it's not the Patriots, I'm watching Red Zone. Why am I watching Red Zone? Because I'm supporting my fantasy team and I like the action and it's a great viewing experience. Um, MLB has a phenomenal product here. NBA has a phenomenal product here. Um, it It just means fandom is different. And for some, you know, I've spent many opening thursdays of ncaa tournament in in vegas and it's really fun watching both sides cheer um and i also think it's part of the narrative of sports look at the the derby from this weekend part of what it yeah was what is it, rim- the longest shot of all time right and it's a remarkable video to watch but it's even more remarkable when you understand the odds and another way to look at the you know the warriors win last night was oh they're the up three SP- one they won uh, well, they went won a game that the the ESPN projection model didn't project that they were favorites until the very last couple plays. Wow. Um, and so whether you are playing or fantasy or not, it creates a different narrative. Whether you have a wager on something or not, there's different insights and movements. And and you know we thought a lot about this at ESPN. How is it furthering the story? How is it furthering fandom? Yeah. Well, it's ama- What I'm saying is it's
1: amazing how far sports went compared to CNBC. It's like I turn on ESPN and I got like, like you just said, they have live odds of like the permutations. It's like watching Poker Channel where CNBC still has the four same knuckleheads yelling out things. It's amazing how fast is all I'm saying when it finally happened and how far behind the financial markets are to the, the gambling markets. It's fascinating to me there's
0: your opportunity.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, this is the opportunity. I think this is where Coinbase and FTX and all these guys that we're talking about get into it. Are you guys is so rare have to deal with regulation or no?
0: So, we we are not gambling. I mean, I think the the core difference with us is right, if you place a sports wager, you are placing a wager that money's gone and so forth. Remember the core of what we're doing is you have these cards, you own the cards. Um when you play them and if you play well, you get cards. You get additional cards as rewards, but those are yours and you own them. Um, we're obviously mindful and, you know, the, the landscape is changing at all times. And so, we are aware and building out the right team and, and being cooperative if questions come. But we are very distant from, you know, for instance, what I was doing at that MGM. You know it's 2022
1: uh new york's coming out of covid you got three kids they're in the sport what what has you panicked what like literally not joking aside what what are the things that you worry about in this industry and you know new york etc
0: my worry is very insular uh in the you you started a little bit by you know your job you're thinking very broad and, and um uh, meeting a gazillion companies um by the way, I've, to a lesser degree, done some of that work. It's a blast and it's ton of different exposure and and kind of mental uh, agility. It, it's a blast. When you operate, you're pretty heads down. Um, and so, you know, there are certainly things to understand and to glean from the broader uh, landscape and so forth. And, and that is a little chaotic right now. But if I am, quote unquote, panicked, it's often about you know, my own stuff. It's how do we move faster? How do we build the team and build the team better and faster? Uh, We've done really well there, but to keep growing and pursuing, you know, that's how I spend a good chunk of my day. Right. We have, you know, we've obviously had pretty fantastic growth and success, but we want to be much bigger. Uh, And we want to do it in a way that is healthy and sustained uh, and is with the long-term approach. And I give – Again, I give Nico and, and Peter all the credit in the world here. We've never taken a short-term decision. Um, and so thinking, how do you build this in a healthy, ongoing way for the players, the game dynamics, our partners? These are not one-year deals. Um, and so you know what I'm spending my time thinking about, whether it's positive or sometimes worried or am I doing a good enough job, it's pretty selfishly focused, right? It's narrowly focused. It's insular. And so you're, you're also like a data freak, right? You got the
1: whoop, you got everything going on. What, have you gotten bored of any of these products? Like I got bored of the whoop immediately. I hate to say it, I'm going to have them on my podcast, but like, I don't get it. Like if I have a bad sleep, I know I have bad sleep. I suck at sleeping. (laughs) And so I don't drink. Like, what is it about the data that you're, what's the Holy grail there? What still has you excited about that? All right. So I'm about to annoy you and give you
0: a new product. Okay. Um, So I love whoop. Um, no pro- – I, I mean this, I think, maybe I'm a little overstated, but I mean this pretty pretty um, honestly. No product that I've owned has ever kind of changed my behavior as directly as Whoop. Huh. Um, and part of that is because I've seen the data again and again at this point now for three years. I'll come back to I think I've gotten what I need out of it, but it's a separate subject um, where I don't eat meat anymore. I gave up meat. Um, and Why? Because I know that I feel better and I sleep better and there's other benefits, but like I whoop tells me it's good for me. I'm very specific and uh, dare I say neurotic around other behaviors, sleep and so forth. And at this point through a bunch of exposure, I know what I need to do to be a better machine, healthy and happier. Some of it's also mental, like you just perform better. Now I've worn it for three years I think I've gotten what I need out of it. Uh, but it's it's a fabulous product. I think it's worth everyone for some period of time if you're willing to commit to it. Uh, it's great. Um, my new obsession is, uh, and it gives a lot of the- Manscaping, and, you know, no? <laughs> uh, the Sleep 8 bed is-
1: I had amazing. them on.
0: Like, I haven't made the commitment. It obviously Ma- is the most make interesting. Make the commitment. It, it's, I, you know, to show you how geeky and- uh, um, bizarre, I am. You you wear two of these, th- so you wear the whoop and you and you use the bed. And uh, I also now know that it works. Uh, and I and I do better. It also provides not entirely, but some of what the whoop data provides as well. But gosh, it, it is it's really great. It's but really isn't great. having
1: sex on a with your whoop on in an eight sleep bed <laughs> a little bit like invasive? Like, do you have a separate bed? Do you leave your whoop in another room and have a separate bed for sex night or no? How, like, I don't want another person commenting on how bad I am at sex. So I don't understand.
0: Like, do you guys look at the data after and go, we killed so, it. So can I change my quest, my answer to what am I panicked about and say joining Howard on his podcast?
1: Yes. Well, we were eventually going to get to silliness. I gave you the time to pimp so rare. But I mean, we're friends, so let's get to the meat. Like you're insane. So this data stuff, I agree with. I was out with Spencer, and he had a steak, but he said, "Oh, if it was the day of the game, I would never have this steak." Right. So I guess because I'm not committed to not eating meat, I mean, I'm committed to not drinking because so I know I don't. I know that's not going to affect my sleeping because I don't drink. But I do agree with you. That you know, but I think unless you're committed to getting better, there's no point in getting the whoop because you won't measure. It won't measure. You're not going to get the. It's kind of a self-fulfilling thing to know that you're working hard and see the data is one thing, but to know that I like, I love steak and I'm not ready to give it up until
0: my second or third heart attack. That uh, <laughs> that no look. Th- that there are three. Work. There are three things I learned, and and I learned them pretty quickly. But there's three things that I learned from it that are for me, and everyone's different. So. Yeah. I and mean, that's the other that's the other piece but that are just black and white to me. One uh meat, two alcohol at it's any bad. amount is like you just do not sleep the same way. You might think you do, but your heart right. rate everything changes. Uh, yep. So that's not to say you can never have it, but I I rarely rarely drink at this point because of that. Yep. And then the third one and this was the one that was most surprising to me is the impact of eating late. So, eating a meal or anything really after, and, you know, I got three young kids, we eat early, but a late meal is just very hard on your body. Uh, th- those to me are the three takeaways. Now, again, this, do I know that now? Am I fine? That's a separate, like, yes, probably. And how long did it take the eight sleep
1: to work for you? What should I expect? Because, I mean, you know, and did you get the full bed or just the cover? Uh,
0: the full bed, and it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> They're real. The... Uh, <laughs> All right, so I'm going to have to do that. This was, is this was an expensive podcast for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get a coupon. And, well, the one thing I learned from, listen, I am the sleep, if I could talk, this whole podcast could be about sleep. It's fascinating to me because I so enjoy a good night's sleep. Alan can just sleep like a machine. I'm like, I hear any, like my dog knows to wake me up at 5 a.m. just to fuck with me. So in a world where sleep is the most important thing, uh, a couple of things that I picked up that are really working for me is like really cold shower. The minute I wake up, just fucking get cold, warms up your body well, pretty fast. Well, you fast. know, the,
0: um, and all the data says this, but the colder you can make the bed.
1: Yeah. Um, and as
0: you wake you, up, you, you, no, the whole – actually, it's more important when you're going to bed. Oh, I thought it, it was like it,
1: warm – like a warm bath at night and like the bed starts out warm and then when you wake up, it cools you down. That's what well, I e- thought.
0: Each person's different. It, automate, okay. it automates it. it for you, but it really will – the basic uh, learning is the colder you can handle, uh, the better and the lower your heart rate will be while you sleep.
1: Yeah, I get into scalding a hot bath now at night. It's disgusting, I know, but I'm sharing – is because no, <laughs> that picture is just gross. <laughs> like I'm trying to find clothes on the internet that allow me to bath wear. So anyways, you are a data fiend. I'm really excited about So Rare. It's such a cool uh, melding. And I think the whole Paris thing is pretty cool that this company was discovered in Paris. And I forget, did we answer? Did they discover benchmark or did benchmark discover them because of growth?
0: I'm not sure how, how Peter and Nico connected. Got it. Um, we also, one of the fascinating and complicated, but also really fun parts of the job is, you know, we have two headquarters. We have a big thriving office in Paris and we have a growing and now equally big office in New York. And uh, we have examples of people who've chosen to live in one, chosen to live in the other. Uh, For most jobs, we're pretty, uh, you know, it's the the employee's choice. Um, But Paris is also, it's amazing, as good as it gets. And New York is fabulous as well. So it's been a lot of fun.
1: Well, congrats! I mean, you know, these are you know, ESPN to MGM to Soul Rare. You're covering the uh, the gamut of fantasy and sports and investing. Uh, so I'm excited. It's good to have you on the pod. Took a while to like have a reason to have you on, so I'm glad uh, I probably missed a ton of stuff that we could talk about swimming and duke and
0: missed a lot of stuff. You went <laughs> you started talking about bats. I think we covered too much. I went stuff. a little too
1: far on <laughs> some things I and mean, we missed a lot of stuff about swimming, and mentorship. I mean the number one thing that that that, that operators that you could share is like you had great mentors because I've met one of your mentors who's a great guy. Um, how important is mentorship I'm Like what, what are you guys doing? It's so rare. Like, you know, with the work from home and coming back to work, Where does mentorship fit in as an operator
0: it, operating or anything else. I, I think surrounding yourself with people who are excellent, who are generous with their time and who are smarter than you, like that's, I don't care what field you're in. Um, that's the truth. Like I was so fortunate I spent five years at eBay or roughly five years and, it's the most amazing collection of people. And I was just, it was luck on my end. Uh, I mean, you know, you have Jeff Jordan, you have Michael Deering, you have Jeff Hausenbold, you have, you know, the guy who's running product at BetMGM, MGM, the guy who's running, oh, they were all eBay product. people because yeah, yeah,
1: Roy Rubin, he was eBay from Magento. And then it was Jack Abraham was a Milo to eBay. So eBay had, and Greg Bettinelli was there. So it's quite a, it's quite a I mafia.
0: And you know, None of us are special in any way. Uh, It's a bunch of luck and a bunch of other people's generosity. Hmm. Um, And, you know, you're you're the same way. How many emails? I think Omar, when you went on the – I think he said it about you, that he left dinner and you'd sent five introductions to people he should know that night. To me, that's – when I say generosity, it's time, it's things like that. And I know so many people who you're one of them. You know, Ryan Neese, nice, if you want to talk about athletes and people yeah. who are connecting different That's worlds, right. like who are just super generous with their time. and And I think that the trick to most of this is it's the long-term thinking. If you're asking someone for what can you do for me right now? That is totally transactional and and there are times for that, but that generally like it's you and I have known each other for ten years, or whatever that time is, like I can call you at any point with something at this point. It's very different if that happens. I met you yesterday hey howard i got a, I got a pitch for you, or i need I, I need problem. something yeah,
1: no, 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 good point. like kids have to learn this is where they have to learn to fake it you kids social media' taught these kids to like harass each other and like make fun of each other instead of like just saying thanks once in a while and just. You know, people will come up to me and go, Oh man, I love your stuff and like I've been reading it for ten years. I go, Why why wouldn't you say hello online? Well, you know. It's just that one instinct, like just ask for the you know, just kind of you're there lurking, just say hello. It really goes a long way. So a lot of people just don't have these basic etiquettes down yet. But you do I
0: have to I have to add one more ebayer, uh, who's near and dear to your heart and mine. Uh George. George from rally oh um, George from yeah. rally yeah that's how we uh that's how we knew each other and uh, he joined me and the team at ESPN for years he he ran fantasy uh he's amazing, obviously doing a great job with rally, but like we're, we're just if you build these relationships over time it it's really wild how they come back
1: yeah, but it really for sure it really is amazing when I think about Knut's been here too the eBay mafia. Which even, was includes a PayPal, was a which even includes PayPal at many levels was quite a mafia because I guess because eBay was marketplace meets community. It was kind of social. It was very niche. It was very broad. It really was kind of the internet and Amazon was more of a technical uh, brute force company, whereas eBay was more a cultural phenomenon.
0: And one of the, one of the amazing Again, it's luck. This was not us being smart. But one yeah. of the amazing things about eBay was the moment in time that we were there. Yeah. eBay has unlimited inventory. So, whatever you search for, we could create a listing. And and why that's important is that allowed us to learn SEM, which didn't exist at the time. Learn SEO, build products. Like think about things in a in a very broad way, huh. knowing that we could deliver audiences and products in very narrow ways. And we wouldn't have had that freedom if we were a verticalized seller. Now, interestingly, as everything has moved and gotten better and so forth and more targeted, now it's kind of gone the reverse, right? The more tar the more verticalized is more powerful, potentially. Um, but we were super fortunate to be in that that moment in time. And that's what I think about with Sober. Like it's this why I had to do it personally, because it's the moment in time. We needed the blockchain and the NFT to enable this ownership paradigm and the clear scarcity. Um, and that came and Nico and Adrian built this and it's working. And the moment in time to expand and build and grow soccer and grow beyond is it's right now. And that's not due to me. That's due to a little bit of fortune and other people's good work. And um, now you got to recognize it and build on it.
1: Well, on that note, and your dog demanding you leave, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a work-from-home bark. It's great to have you on finally. We'll have you back to talk So Rare and crypto, uh, hopefully soon. And uh, I appreciate it. So I'm really, really excited. And that was, that was fun to, to wrap it all up the way you did. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. K-Nut Howard. I got him to warm up a little bit there. <laughs> I mean, he's corporate, so I don't know. Maybe he'll ask me to cut out all the silliness. He can't talk like this. He's going to get flack for this. So I worked oh, in yeah. the Manscaped. I worked in his data, freakishness. I, I worked in something about his wife and sleeping and sex. <laughs> I think I got him. My work is done. <laughs> he, he's an untouchable, Ryan. He's just like steady Eddie. Right. Have you met Ryan? No, I haven't. He's so pleasant. God damn it. And our buddy Jack Newhouse has been on the show. He's so unpleasant. <laughs> uh, and they're best friends, uh. anyways it's opposites attract you know and everybody can get along is what we prove what a motley group anyways you are uh, listening to panic with friends I'm Howard Linton and you are privileged to be listening into I don't know whatever the hell we're talking about trends and and cool shit on the internet um, and uh, with my producer Knut Knut Jensen straight from Norway white as can be, (laughs) perfect skin. Anyways, um, search my name, Howard Linson. You'll see Panic with Friends. Go to Spotify, Apple, Google, search my name or Panic with Friends. Subscribe once a week, you'll get an alert. You can listen to these 50-minute podcasts with uh, investors, traders, founders, venture capitalists, all focused on trying to make a few bucks, stay ahead of the market, uh, catch a few trends. Uh, Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.